All right, let's pray. Father, once again, we, uh, we, we, we are excited and we are so, so glad to be in your presence. And, uh, but we also know what it means to be in your presence. It, mean, it means to hear from you, to hear your word. When we are in your presence, you will speak to us, speak the truth, the only thing that will change our lives. So as we open our hearts, we humble ourselves before you. We ask you that you will pour out your spirit and touch every part of our being, Lord, as we listen to your word. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, let's all go to, uh, I would like you to turn to Psalm 73. We're going to read the whole psalm. Yeah, I've got it there. So if you, is, if you don't bring your Bible, it's not in your iPhone, it's not in your iPad, whatever, it's there. All right, it's, this is the psalm of Asaph. I'm going to read from verse 1. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. Why? For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggle. Their bodies healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts come iniquity. Their evil imagination have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice, with arrogance. They threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim of heaven. In some uh, translation, they scoff at heaven. And their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their, pe their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishment. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children or your people. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understand their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast down to ruin, cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors? They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, O oh Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute, a, a brute 
beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me to glory. And then comes the, the one that we just sang in our worship. Whomever I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire. On earth, I have nothing but I desire but besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near to God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell all your deeds. It's an amazing psalm. Has anybody read this psalm? This is a beautiful, beautiful psalm, but it's a tragic psalm. <laughs> um, the reason I read this psalm, I was really moved by uh, David Nusantana's message last, last Sunday. It was one of the best sermons I've heard in a while. One of the, one of the most honest and the longest kind of <laughs> sermon. But it was good, though. <laughs> Honest and longest. <laughs> it was great. And sometimes we, as Christians, we, uh, we have this facade. We come to church, everything, everything is fine. You know, God is good, I'm fine. You, you know, we're all fine. But we don't realize what people go through life. This psalm that, that we just read is, is written by Asaph. Asaph, and funny enough, Asaph is one of the song leaders in the tabernacle, in the, in the temple. <laughs> David is one of our song leaders. He, was one of, he wrote this psalm. And uh, it's, uh, it's one of the, not the song leaders, but key musicians in, in, in the temple. And uh, it's, a, it's a story of, if, we, if, we, if you can say, a knee lost faith. <laughs> and scholars uh, recorded this psalm. It was like Asaph experiencing the fall of Jerusalem and then the destruction of the temple as the Babylonian army came to the temple and destroyed everything. And uh, so, uh, and when I listened to to, uh, to David's uh, sermon, I thought, yeah, it's. Uh, you know, somebody somebody once said, simplicity on this side of complexity. I won't give a dime. But simplicity on the other side of complexity, I give my lifetime. It's like sometimes when you see people treat faith as so simple without going through the, the test. And it's like, oh, it sounds so simple. But when somebody speaks how simple faith is after they've gone through all kinds of stuff, you believe them. <laughs> people have gone through the fire. Some people, some people, are, they do well going through the fire. Some people don't. I want to say this. You will go through a fire. Peter talks about it. Because 
The Bible says faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God, right? That's when it comes. How does your faith grow? Through trials. <laughs> it's like when you, you know, you're born with muscles, right? You're born with muscles. How do you develop the, your muscles? Through resistant training. You know, that's why people spend time on the gym just doing, you know, bicep. You know, they, it's the resistance. And if you watch closely, people who build weights, you know, they have, they have what they call the spotter. You know, he will stand behind you, the bench press, and, and the last, it's like the last reps, like, I can't do it anymore. And then the spotter would say, just one more lift, and he would take the edge of the, 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 the weight, just the edge, and then keep going, keep going. That's when you actually, your muscles start to break. And that's how it grows. And sometimes we go through, through, through life, faith like, you know, I can't do it anymore. And the Holy Spirit says, just one more thing, just one more rep, so to speak. Go for it. And you're just like, ah. That's how your faith grows. Do you know what the miracle is? It's not about going through the fire. Going through the fire, but not burnt. <laughs> Many people say, I've been through the fire, and then I can smell smoke five miles away. It's like, no, no you haven't been walking with God. <laughs> and I said to, I said to, uh, to Dave, because you, know, you heard the story, the story about, about Daniel and Zantana. And uh, I remember Daniel on that side to Daniel after, you know, on this, on this side also. My, 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 my recollection of Daniel is a very wise, very, very spiritual man. Wisdom come, you know, would come out of his mouth. He kept Dave and, and Michael together on the, on the, like on the straight, straight path. Now here's the thing. Sometimes in Christians, we, we look for the miracles or the signs and wonders. I believe in all that. And I pray for Daniel almost every day. I pray for Helen for almost every day. I pray for, for uh, uh, Ines. And it's like, God, where is your miracle? And then during worship, I watch a man who could hardly lift his hand because he has no strength. And then he would hold one arm to hold, so his hand can worship God. And I look at that, and I feel like the Holy Spirit said to me, what excuse do you have now? He's a man who could hardly bear his two arms, but he needs to use one other arm to lift so that he can worship God in his weakness. What excuse do you have? And I said to Dave, Dave, I said, your dad is a picture of what Paul says, in my weakness, God is strong. Remember I shared about, about the difference between worship on earth and worship in heaven? In heaven, it's a perfect atmosphere. Everything was in perfection. The angels worship God in, in holiness. Everything is perfect. But on earth, we worship God in that situation. In all troubles, all situations, what we choose to worship God within imperfection. And if you read the book of Revelation, when, when 
you know, like I, I said, shared uh, last um, two weeks ago, there are two different songs being sung in in uh, in heaven: song of creation with the angels, where, where the angels sing, but song of the redeemed. The angels don't have the privilege to sing that song. You and I do. Why? Because in the midst of this, we choose to worship God. Let's look at the Psalms. As I said, it's a tragic psalm. The guy being a leader in the community, a worshiping community, as always, he would begin his psalm. As you read the book of Psalms, you actually often read the journey of the psalmist. It's like, wow, you can see the journey here. Let's, let's see the journey here. And uh, he began with the rhetoric, surely God is good to Israel and those who are pure in heart, right? Well, because everybody says that. I'm a song leader. I'll say that. Because that's what we do in church. <laughs> right? So he began with a good rhetoric, just like every other Israelite would do. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. And then all of a sudden, he to, there's a deviation from faith. But as for me, what happened? I like the beginning, but as for me, he started to look at himself. My feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. Why? Because, and then he said, because I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. There you go. You take your eyes off God, you start to look at yourself, and you compare yourself to someone else. All of a sudden, you start to go downhill. And he starts to evaluate the success of others in comparison to himself. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human Ill, ills or sickness. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts come iniquity. Their evil imagination have no limits. You know, he lists all this stuff. And they, in their pride, in verse 11, it said, they say, how could God know? So they can see the, the, ungod, the ungodly people. It's like they, they're successful. It's like, Where am I do, what am I doing here? He started to count one by one the success of the people outside God. Crazy. In verse 13 and 14, after evaluating them, and then he turned to, I focused again. Verse 13, surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long, I have been afflicted, and every morning brings a new punishment. I want to say this. You take your eyes from God and put your eyes on yourself, you start to play the victims. You become the victim. You know, the, the, probably, this is the, the, the two sides of the coins here. The ugliest thing is for people to play the victims, but you know how powerful people play the victims? Very persuasive. 
Now I just mentioned the, the, the uh, thing in America. You know, I thought, so it's interesting. One, I heard one, one guy spoke on that. It's like, it's amazing how when you play the victim, people can believe you. Yeah. You see this? All of a sudden, he's the victim. And when, when you, you're, I'm going to say this, in marriage, when the hu- husbands or the wives, I'm going to talk to the husbands because I'm a, I'm a husband. Because we have more responsibility than, than anybody else in the world for our family. Husbands, when you have an argument or have sort of disagreement with your wife, please don't do that. Don't play the victim. Because you will fail to hear the heart of your wife or your children. You're too focused on yourself. And your wife starts to feel sorry for you because you played the victim. Whereas you're supposed to protect your wife. Anyway. And then he had this eye focus and then there's a moment of reflection. Verse 15 is the turning point. This is very good. It's, an ac- it's almost like an accurate assessment of what he should be doing. Verse 15, he said, this is the sort of like the beginning of the turning point. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children or your people. I think he understood his position as a leader in the community. If I just blab, you know, blabber my mouth, you know, just blabbing and, and just say whatever I want to say, that would be a stumbling block to the people, to the hearers. How many of us actually, in our community, sometimes we just talk and just do whatever we want to say, not realizing everything we say could be either a building of, of the hearers or a stumbling block to the hearers? It's crazy. Yeah. And he was, he was careful in that. Thank goodness. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your people. So there's a tension there. My responsibility as a leader, and yet at the same time, when I tried to understand all this, verse 16, it troubled me deeply. So there, there is a struggle here. All right? But when did that struggle stop? Verse 17. It troubled me deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their destiny. And listen to verse 18. Compare that to verse verse 2. He said, in verse 2, he said, As for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. Verse 18, after entering the presence of God, the sanctuary of God, he said, surely you placed them in the slippery ground and cast them down to ruin. Not me, but them. I want to ask this. Has anything changed in his life? Has the situation changed in his life? 
No. But what has changed? Come on. Perspective. There you go. What did the change happen? Where? In where? In the presence of God. In the sanctuary. Things are still the same. Nothing has changed. But something switched in his head. Verse 19, how suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. And then all of a sudden he accurately assesses himself. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless. And ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Isn't that amazing? You come to the presence of God. Just get lost in the presence of God. Get the right perspective and you have an accurate view of where you've been, where you're at. (laughs) That's why we have worship here. It's like we want you to get lost in the presence of God. Worship is not just like, or oh, whatever, just to make you feel good. No, 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 actually, we want you to access God and just get lost in the presence of God. And it is an opportunity for you to actually, for something to switch if, if, if it needs to be switched in your head. After an accurate self-assessment and then all of a sudden praises happen. It it becomes God-focused. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. You know, one of the points that, that David uh, made last week, which I thought was was amazing, was that this: when Saul was corrected, his repentance was what was at stake was his kingship. But when David repented, in his head, what was at stake was his relationship with God. Remember, if you if you read the story carefully, when Samuel came and, and, and uh, rebuked Saul. Samuel walked away. He grabbed Samuel. He said, sort of approve me in front of the people. Look at the people are watching you. But when David was confronted by Nathan, what did he say? Do not cast me away from your presence, God. Whoa. <laughs> because he realized that now it's not about the kingdom. It's about my relationship with God. That's what is at stake. He said, also he said, do not take away your Holy Spirit from me. Woo! (laughs) Often when we are in a sticky situation, we are concerned more about our reputation than, than, than our relationship with God. Because that's where the character is formed. 
Just like as you and I, we were formed in a time of creation. We were formed within the presence of God. Like I said, God wanted to make fish. He says he spoke to the water. He wanted to create the stars. He spoke to the sky. But when he wanted to create mankind, he spoke to himself. He said, let us. As if the very environment, rightful environment for mankind is his presence. So guess what? Our character still will be formed within the presence of God, our relationship with God. The world works, you know, invests so much into building their reputation, like Saul. But you and I has been called to actually build our character. I want to say this. People can destroy your, your reputation. They can. But no one can destroy your character. Because it's between you and God. And yet, people spend all their lives building the other one. No one can destroy your character. Your, my reputation is what people think of me. My character is what my wife knows about me. <laughs> yeah. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Let's all stand up. Okay, let's, let's pray. Let's lay hands on our hearts. In one of the Psalms, where David said, One thing, one thing, not many things, one thing have I desired that I may seek after, and that is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's a man who craves for the presence of God. I want to encourage you guys as disciples of Jesus. You know, like First Peter, when he said in, in First Peter chapter, chapter 2, he said, after setting all of this aside, like infant cry for the milk, pure milk, spiritual milk, people read it as if to say, just like infant cry for spiritual milk. And actually, that sentence, cry, is an imperative. Just like infant, be like infant, and therefore cry. Crave for spiritual milk, pure spiritual milk. It's like, let's hunger for it. I want to encourage you. Come to the church. Come early and enjoy the presence of God. 
and let God speak to you. Let, let your heart be, be just totally saturated by, by His presence. Come on. I mean, I, I know I joke to the guys. Guys, to these measles. You might think you're, you're amazing. People come halfway through a praise and worship. It was kind of a joke, but sometimes I think, you know what? People who come, people who treat it like that, actually they rob themselves. Come on, we need to crave for the presence of God. And be there, be here early. It's like, you know, God, I want to be in your presence. Where in, in, in the environment where unresolved things in my head don't matter anymore. You know? Let's pray. I'm going to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, with every hand being laid on these people, Lord, I pray that you will burn something just like like David's prayer. One thing have I desired and that what I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of God forever. That I may see his beauty. Thank you, Lord. Touch your people, Lord. We can't make a law, we can't make a rule, Lord Jesus, but you can touch people's hearts and you can create a desire in, in their hearts, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, as we finish this, this meeting, I pronounce, I prophesy in the name of Jesus, outpouring of your blessing over your people. Thank you, Lord. As we leave this place, we are people marked by your favor. The blessing that will not just stop with us, but it will flow out of our lives and touch many lives around us. Because we are people purchased by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you.